Welcome to Study Isaiah, the podcast where we examine the language, historical context, and meaning of the book of Isaiah with Dr. Paul Wagner. I'm Tyler Sanders, and across from me is Dr. Wagner, who is going to tell us the Hebrew word of the day. And I've got a good one for you today. It's to burn or consume ba'ar. And what's interesting is we started last week, if you remember, talking about that connection between chapters 2 through 4 and 5 through 12. Yes. So we've got those two sections. But but remember, even you had talked about how it looks like the seam is at the end of chapter 4. Right. Which is true. And so why is it not at the end of chapter 12 where, where we it would should expect be? it? Exactly. Yeah. So, and the answer is that I think that he didn't want to break up the unit. He's got, I call it an envelope pattern where it, it starts with the future, ends with the future in chapter 2 through 4. And then in between, you had what the present Israel was like. Mm-hmm. And then right in the heart of it, in, in chapter 3, verse, thir- uh, verse 14, it had that word consumed or burned. Let me read it for you. The Lord enters into judgment with the elders and princes of his people. It is you who have devoured the vineyard. That word devoured is that word to burn or consume okay. or that. So it's it's that that's then going to connect it to chapter 5, where in verse 5, he actually says, Now let me tell you what I'm going to do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge, and it will be consumed. There's that word again. So it's word. going to be devoured, whatever. Yeah. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's the word ba'ar, and it means ba'ar. to burn, to consume, to va- devour. So, so that's our word for today, and it means to basically let Israel or his vineyard be destroyed. Yeah, yeah. So. And it's an important one, like you said, because it's connecting chapters 2 through 4 and chapters 5 through 12. Exactly. Right? Yep. Now, that's interesting because when we get into chapter 5, there's another connection at the beginning of chapter 5, right? Chapter 5 also connects to chapter 12. Yes. Let me go to the next one. Remember our introductions? Yeah. So I've got one in chapter 1, one in chapter 2, and then one in 13. So we're we're between these two introductions now. We're mm-hmm. uh, from chapter 2 through 12 is what we're going to be talking about. And last time we talked about the first section. Yeah. This time we're going to talk about the second section. Uh-huh. Okay? Or at least part of the second section. Yeah. Yeah. So what we want to do today is... Show that connection, okay? 314 connects it to what he's going to do to the vineyard. Mm-hmm. But but for a minute, let's just talk about this. This song of the vineyard, is it starts telling about how bad Israel is. It ends with a song of thanksgiving, telling that God has delivered them and has restored them and they're, they're his people and taken care of them again. Yeah. So that's how it, so it starts with the song of the vineyard, them being really bad, works all the way up to this song of thanksgiving. Song of the vineyard is basically chapter five, verses one through seven. Yep. And Song of Thanksgiving is chapter 12, verses 1 through 6. Yes. And those are basically the beginning. There's nothing after verse 6. That's chapter 12 ends on verse 6. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. It's interesting because then we've got six woe oracles mm-hmm. and a woe oracle at the end. So we've got uh-huh. those matching up. Then we have something called the uplifted hand oracle. That's basically what I call it. But it says that God's hand is still uplifted, ready to come down and speak punish them some more. And there's one in the first part and four in the second part. Those uplifted hand oracles, I never found them in in any other book 
So oh. only in the book of Isaiah, oh, wow. they, and in really only in this section. There is, there's a phrase that's close to it, but nothing exactly like what these uplifted hand oracles are. Yeah. And then in the middle, that's why this palistrophe, really, this was the first one I saw, and it seemed to me so clear. But right in the middle is this um, Isaiahic memoir, yeah. which most of it's in first person, and it's telling how Isaiah or how God is going to use Isaiah to, to help deliver the nation. Yeah. He's going to have the message and tell him what God's going to do to him. And that's the center of the palestra. Yes. The kind of... Pulls it all together. Yeah, well, yeah. well, everything builds towards it, I think. Yeah. Just like in that chapter one, Jerusalem was uh, started out really good, then went really bad, and then God stands up right. to talk, and then God reverses yeah, everything, the, reverses yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's similar to that one, only this one, I think, is really, really clear, too. Yeah. And that's so. a big chunk of scripture. Yeah. So, so the, the memoir is... Chapter six, verse one through nine, seven. Yeah, so that's yeah. a big, yep. that's a big emphasis. Yeah. And is it more of a narrative, like genre style? Some of it is. Um, there's still, still some uh, uh, prophecy and stuff like that, okay. especially in chapter nine. Yeah. Um, but most of it is narrative of what's happening, most of it during Isaiah's time period, I'm sure. Yeah. 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 And the other pieces we'll be looking at, these other kind of parts of the palestrophe, the more yeah. edge pieces, Yeah, we're going to cover a variety of genres, I'm assuming, in these too, right? Yeah, wool oracles are a little different than, uh, like, uh, the Song of the Vineyard is kind of unique, and there's only one other place that talks about a song, and this one's talking about how the vineyard is so bad. That one is going to be how God has restored the vineyard. Yeah. So there's only two places that talk about a vineyard. Yeah. In the Book of Isaiah, and then and then yes, these other these oracles are a little different, and then yeah. the uplifted hand oracles are a little different. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Should we get into it? Let's get into it. <sighs> All right. The the song of the vineyard, starting in chapter five. So let's let's go to the text and see what it says. Let me sing now for my well-beloved a song of my beloved concerning his vineyard. I think it's kind of interesting. Notice he, later on you're going to find out that God is the beloved, mm. but it makes it really unclear who's talking here. So and you know, so this is Isaiah, I assume, talking about his beloved who is God. But he doesn't want you to know that yet. He wants you right. to, at this point, think, oh, okay, here's a guy that owns a vineyard, and, and it's a friend of this guy's, okay? Yeah. All yeah. right? So that's how it's starting. Now it says, my well-beloved had a vineyard on a fertile hill. Um, that's actually kind of neat. It's a hill of fatness, and it's from mm. the word oil. Israel's got some real fertile ground, so I think that's what it's saying. It's They've, they've got this fertile hill, so this guy's got this... Um, you know, this, this vineyard on this great place. It's a great place, place. for it. Yeah, so yeah. you couldn't get any better. Oh, one other thing that's kind of neat is it calls it a horn. Um, uh, you know, it, it almost pictures like a horn sticking up out of the ground. So oh. that's where you get this hill of fatness. It's talking about a horn of fatness. Huh. Kind of interesting. interesting. Just, yeah. yeah. All right. Um, all right. So he's got this fertile hill and he's got a vineyard there. He dug it all around, removed its stones and planted it with the choicest vines. So basically so far he's done virtually everything he could yeah. to make sure everything works well. Mm -hmm. He built a tower in the middle of it and he hewn out a wine vat in it. Notice in, in, in the verse two, it says, and he even hewned out a wine vat in it. My guess is that doing that was probably a little special. And so maybe people shared 
wine vats instead of having one for each vineyard. Oh. So my, so this guy, he went way out overboard. And, there, and I assume the people listening to this are saying, oh man, he did even that. You know? Right. So the idea that it He's was- He's really invested here. Yeah, exactly. All right. And he hewed a wine vat in it. And, and then he expected it to produce good grapes, but it produced only worthless ones. That word for worthless ones is that it means little sour, wild grapes. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, like, not good for anything. It's, it's yeah. like, it's like you put all this time and money into this and then you get that kind of a return. Yeah. So, so I'm sure once again, the people in Israel would have known this, this makes perfect sense to them, yeah. this song, because they, they, they live this life. And so yeah. it'd be something that they'd be so used to. All right. Uh, verse three, and now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there for me to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? Why then, when I expected it to produce good grapes, did it produce worthless ones? See, I, I, I can see the, the author purposefully pulling this out of them saying, man, you see what's happened? This guy's given everything invested so much and now look what happens yeah it, this is a lot like nathan and david you yeah. know where he where he tricks him into thinking you know yeah. this, this little farmer had this ewe lamb and and he right. nurtured it and all that and then he says well you're the one david you're yeah. the one that's done that yeah i think that's the same thing that's happening here he's he's drawing him into the story but now look at verse five so now let me tell you what I'm going to do my, to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge and it will be consumed. And remember, that's our that's word. That's our word. Yep. Bar? Bar, yep. Bar. Yep. <laughs> Good. I will break down its wall and it will become trampled ground. I will lay it waste. I will, it will not be pruned or honed, but, but briars and thorns will come up. Uh, that that's interesting, that key briars and thorns. That, that phrase happens about... Oh, about seven times, I think, in the book of Isaiah, talking about uh, worthless land, basically. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. I will also charge the clouds to rain no rain on it. Now, mm -hmm. that might be the one place where you're starting to think, wait a minute, more normal people can't right. uh, you know, <laughs> tell the rain not to rain yeah. on it. Yeah. But I'm also thinking it's possible that a, a vineyard owner could almost like curse a ground and say something mm. like, um, cursed be you and don't let any rain fall on you. So, I mean, it is possible that that's the kind of thing they're thinking of. Yeah. And so and that would make some sense. Yeah. All right. So here's verse seven that's crucial. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. And the, and the men of Judah, his delightful plant. Thus he looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed. And for righteousness, but behold, a cry of distress. Mm. Now, the interesting thing, this, these last verses, when you see, I uh, look for justice, but behold, bloodshed, that, that really doesn't make a whole lot of sense to us. Okay, he got opposite of what he expected, right? But I think what is interesting, I, I think verse six is like the verdict. I will lay it waste and ta not take care of it and all that. Yeah. But then he, he looks for uh, righteousness, which is mishpat, instead got bloodshed, mispak. Yeah. So, so it's a play on the words. Right. And that would have stood out for them. Yeah. And then he looked for righteousness, sadaka, and instead a cry of distress, saaka. Yeah. So it's it's interesting how um, it's like a play on the words that they're they're using, and they, and they would have caught that because they would have been listening to it in Hebrew. Yeah, well, and this is a f fairly poetic form, yeah. too, right? As a uh -huh. song. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. So I mean, like people would probably be kind of keyed into yeah elements. Like I mean, we would do that pretty naturally 
in English, but especially exactly. if there's other things cluing us in to like, yep. you know, you may be looking for other rhetorical devices. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go back with just one more. This is that song of the vineyard. I'm going to summarize what he says. Yeah. So the owner, owner did basically everything he could have done for the vineyard. The, the harvest was sour grapes or the worthless ones. What should the owner do? So it, actually in Israel, it's kind of interesting. Remember, they would go to the gate of the city and ask the people, the elders of the city, what people should, you know, what should, what's the decision that should be made. Mm. So here, that's probably what he's doing. He's asking these uh, elders of, of Israel to make a decision here. What, what do they think he should do to the vineyard? Okay, I'm sure the listeners are saying destroy it. Now they don't say that, but but I'm sure that's what they're thinking. It's implicit. With yeah, that, yeah. The repeated question, I think. Yeah. Why would you Why would you spend any more time on this vineyard if all you're going to get are these sour grapes? Yeah. Okay. And and then comes the punchline: My vineyard is Israel, yeah. and you're the ones that are acting like this. Yeah. So th- so if you see that starts this whole palistrophe off in a way that's kind of amazing. It's it's letting you know in a very pictorial way, but also mm. in a very a song, you know, it starts with this song telling us what things are like and what Israel's like at this point. Yeah. So so that's kind of neat. That's how the song or this palistrophe starts. Yeah. So now we've got the second part. Okay, we've already talked about that. Now we've got this song of Thanksgiving. So on each end We've got songs. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's go to chapter 12. Now, this one's interesting because how do you get from the vineyard like that, you know, that's sour grapes and that's it, to this song of Thanksgiving? How do they relate? And I think the answer is, as you work through the palistrophe, God's going to pour out punishment and judgment on them until you get to that Isaiahic memoir Mm. where Isaiah is going to send, he's going to be sent to the nation of Israel with this message that if they don't turn around, if they continue to go the way they are, God's going to judge them. And so we've got a beautiful process of what's going on here. And then you've got these uh, judgment or woe oracles again, and then the uplifted hand, yep. and then this song of thanksgiving. The only way you could have this if it actually turned around, right? Right. So obviously something's happened. Yeah. So so look how it starts. Oh, I should t- probably tell you this. Um, it, it's almost certain that th- this has phrases in it exactly like are in the Psalms. So it's probably mm. almost certainly a song of thanksgiving, and it's got the same kind of terminology that's used in a song of thanksgiving. Okay? Okay. So, so on verse 1, then you will say on that day, and I think that's key. What day are we talking about? Yeah. Right before this, it talks about God sending his deliverer who, to deliver the nation mm-hmm. and then all the good things that are going to come about on that. And then it says, in that day that they've been turned around, now the, the remnant is going to sing praise to God. Yeah. Okay? So whenever it has that phrase, in that day, you should look and see, okay, in context, what day are we talking about? Yeah. Okay? All right? I will give thanks to the Lord for although you were angry with me, your anger is turned away and you comfort me. That's the only place that it talks about some kind of um, 
restoration, you know, that they've, mm. they've been punished and now they're being restored. Yeah. So everything else is talking about the restoration. This little thing about you were angry with me, but only for a little while, and now you've comforted me. When you look at it, that took, that took years for that to happen, right? It, right. You know, when we started right. out in chapter uh, five, when they're being so bad, it took years of punishment and God working with the nation till they were exiled, sent out of the land, and then God brought back a remnant. It, it's amazing. So, so in that one little uh, section there, you've got all of that happening and him talking about it. Oh, it's only a little time that you were right. angry, right. but now you've been comforting us. Yeah. So it's actually kind of neat. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. Both of those are phrases right out of the out Psalms. Of Psalms. Yeah. For the Lord my God is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. So, so... When he says my strength and song, I assume that my is Isaiah, but he's praising God for all that God has done for the nation of Israel. Mm. Yeah. Therefore, you will joyously draw water from the springs of salvation. That's kind of a neat thing if you think about it. Mm. So here's here's a, a, a spring sending out salvation that you can draw from. I think that's just a beautiful picture of what God was doing for the nation. Right. Yeah. Right. It's continual. Yeah. Yeah. And never getting stale, continuing to flow. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And in that day, you will say, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people, make them remember that his name is exalted. Praise the Lord in song, for he has done great things. Let this be known throughout all the earth. Cry aloud and shout for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Now remember we talked last week about that Holy One of Israel being a yeah. name that was key to the book. Right. Here it's, it's right at it. this turning point. You've got that beautiful yeah. Yeah. name brought in. Now, if you think about it, why would they praise God? Well, if it starts off like, what happened in chapter five, and now he's delivered them and they become a remnant that actually serves God, right. there's good reason to praise him. And, he, yeah. and, he's, and he's saying, for the things he has done, well, what he de- what did he do? He sent punishment into their lives to try to draw them back to him. A lot of it didn't work, so he had to bring more. Finally, they get it, and some of them come back to him. Right. So it's, it's a song kind of summarizing what God's done for them. Well, and I think it's interesting too, oh, inhabitant of, of Zion. We got into that yeah. last, uh, last episode. And then that very last, the very last line in, in, uh, yeah. in chapter 12 is, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. There's a dwelling yeah. together. There's like a closeness or maybe an intimacy even yeah. there. That's... Um, Remember in chapter four, we had that same thing where God was going to be dwelling in the land. And you'll see it one more time, or at least one more time later. Yeah. So it's that idea of God being with them. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's how it begins and ends. Yeah. You will say in that day, which day? Well, we talked about that. That's going to be that day that he delivers them. Mm -hmm. And and it'll be a long, (laughs) it'll be a lot of days (laughs) because it's going to take a long time for it to happen. Yeah. Thanks to God, you were angry, but your anger is turned away. There's that little phrase that talks about that. And then God is my salvation and praise the Lord. So you've got almost like a crescendo at the end where, yes, God is is to be praised because He's the only one that could have done this. Right. Yeah. Because it, in in the song of the vineyard, as an audience or as a listener, we're ready to destroy exactly. the vineyard until we realize. And they deserved it. Yeah. <laughs> right. 
Yeah. So what a what a journey <laughs> we're seeing on either end of this. You exactly. Know, the beginning and the end point here. Yeah. Okay. So that's if you remember that picture of the palystrophe, those yeah. are the very far ends. Uh-huh. And remember, it's it doesn't have the seam at the end. And the reason for that is I think it's in chapter four and he didn't want to break up those units. Right. And so he puts it in chapter four, but then he makes that connecting link. Yeah, because this is a great unit. Yeah. Five to twelve is there's a pretty clear yeah. beginning and ending there. Yeah. Yeah, and, I think I can buy that. Okay, all right. Now let's go to. Uh, should we go to the next part? Yeah, the the woe oracles. Yeah, why don't I, you tell us what a woe oracle? It, a woe it, oracle. It's really hard to explain. Wow, yeah, it's hard to say. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a oracle. But if you think about it, it's like saying cursed on somebody, or or opposite of blessed be somebody. You know, do just the opposite of that okay. is is woe. Yeah, and 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 it's like saying how oh, sorry for you and stuff like that. Like mm. like punishments coming and and you deserve it and. Shame on you almost. Yeah. Yeah. Now, remember, what I've tried to do is uh, in your Bible, you should actually see these woe uh, sections. Now, uh, remember, five through seven was that song, okay? Um, And that pretty much is a a stopping point, okay? Mm -hmm. Then look at verse eight. Woe to those who add house to house and join field to field until there's no more room so that you live alone in the midst of the land. This is going to sound terrible, but this is kind of like, I think, I, I'm thinking of like Montana or Wyoming, some of those places where they've got such big cattle ranches or, or, yeah. f- or, or ra- I don't know what even to call some of them, but they're, they are so big that your nearest neighbor could be yeah. 20 miles away, yeah. you know, and you own all the land in between. Now, it's not, it's not a problem in Wyoming or Montana, but when you're in Israel and God gave that land to each of the individual families, remember when it was divided up that each of the tribes had a certain amount of land? Yeah. They were supposed to keep that. That was their inheritance from right. God, basically. Right. Well, something's happened that these rich landowners own so much land that it's like they're living alone in the midst of the land. And so that's why that's why God is saying woe on them. Yeah. Okay. And that gives you some clue. Here's rich people ripping off poor people. Mm-hmm. And remember at that point, if you don't have any land, you're you you're starving to death. Yeah. You know, so you you're basically slaves, but you'll never get out. Right. Remember that's why God had that rule in, in the uh, year of Jubilee. Do you remember mm. every fifty years right. the land was supposed to go back to the original owners? Right. I'm right. not convinced that that was happening here. Right. And so what was probably happening is these poor people had no chance of getting out yeah. of this of their 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 debt. Yeah. See, uh, earlier, do you remember when it says it is you that are grinding the face of the poor? Right. Yeah, so right. I mean that's that's a pretty stiff condemnation. Well, if you look here, I can see why now. Um, so that you live alone in the midst of land. In my ears, the Lord of hosts was sworn, uh, saying, Surely many houses will be desolate, even great and fine ones without occupants. Any idea what that would be? No, I, I, when I read that, I wasn't quite sure what that without occupants okay. totally yeah. was referring that, to. Yeah, that means they're going into exile. He has actually already oh. warned them here. So, And, and it, notice he says it by an oath. 
in my ears, the Lord of hosts has sworn, saying, Surely many houses will be desolate, uh, even great and fine ones without in- inhabitants. Yeah. So the first thing I think he's talking about there is you're going to be removed from the land. Yeah. Now, if you think about it, that's a brilliant punishment for the crime. You yeah. know, when God punishes people, he, he, he punches, punishes them with the, with a, uh, a punishment that fits the crime. And right. th- this one's beautiful. They yeah. stole the land from the poor people. So they get taken out of yeah. it. Yeah. 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 And remember I told you last time that when God did this, he punished the ones that deserved it the most, the most, hmm. and that the poor people, when they, they're going to be left in the land, and so they'll right. get their land back. Yeah. But it's not because the rich people wanted to give it back. Right. Okay? Right. So, so this is, I think, really interesting. Uh, even great and fine ones without inhabitants. That's probably re- just reminding us how here's these rich people that have such nice houses, and guess what? They're going to be empty soon. Yeah. So exile, it sounds like the first thing. Then verse 10 says, for 10 acres of a vineyard will, will yield only one bath of wine. So it's very possible that an acre was the amount of land that an ox could, could a pair of oxen could plow in one, uh, in one day. Okay. So that would be an acre. Yeah. But now it says, and 10 acres of vineyard will only produce one bath of wine. A bath is, is uh, a little over a a bushel of wine. It, okay. It's not the right kind of, uh, it, it's maybe 50 uh, gallons of wine. But if you think yeah. of that, 10 acres, right. that's that's a lot that's of land. That's way underproducing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. And a homer of seed, uh, homer was uh, was like two thirds of a bushel, will yield only an aphith of grain. Oh, no, I'm sorry. A homer um, is the is is what a, they think what a donkey could carry on his oh, back. Wow. So there was a, a amount of... So a significant amount of yeah, seed. That a, yeah. Okay. And an aphith is only uh, two thirds of a, a yeah. bushel. Right. So once again, so you've got all this seed bringing that much of, yeah. a, of a, uh, a return. Yeah. Farmers couldn't live on that, right? If they're, yeah, if they're yeah, losing that be... it that bad. Yeah. Okay. So you saw, first of all, they're going to be removed from the land and then God's going to curse the land and punish it. Mm-hmm. So that's what that verse 10 was all about. The first woe is that the rich people are basically going to have their land taken away because they're going to be in exile. Yeah. And, and the land gonna, is not going to be worth anything anyway. Yeah, because, it, yeah, because it's or not producing. It's a productive. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so it's been cursed by God. So that's the first one. Second one is verse starts in verse 11. Woe to those who rise early in the morning that they may pursue strong drink, who stay up late in the evening that, the, that wine may inflame them. Their banquets are accompanied by lyre and harp and by tambourine and flute and by, by wine, but they do not pay attention to the deeds of the Lord, nor do they consider the work of his hands. Now, let me just stop there. So the, the woe is they're parting all the time, right? Yeah, right. So woe to those. And he says they're, they, they've got all these fine things like banquets with music, music and, and all that. Yeah. It, but the real key is in the last, verse tw- uh, last part of verse 12, but they do not pay attention to the deeds of the Lord. So they're so busy parting, they don't see what God's doing. Right. Does that make sense? And nor do they consider the work of his hands. Yeah. That's the key. The key is... They're just not listening. Yeah. Okay. Which that's a good contrast probably to our song of Thanksgiving in chapter 12 too. That's what's going to be in uh, verse four, like make known his deeds among his peoples, make them remembered that his name is exalted, you know? Yeah. And they can't even remember what's going on or see what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, good. Now, that's not all of it, but look at verse 13. Yeah. Therefore, my people go into exile for their lack of knowledge, and their honorable men are famished, and their multitude is parched with thirst. Therefore, Sheol is opening its throat and, and opening its mouth without measure. Jerusalem's uh, splendor, her multitude, her din of rivalry, and the jubilant within her descend into it. So the common man will be humbled and the man of importance will be abased. Remember that phrase that we had in chapter two? Now you see it again. Yeah. That same kind of punishment. Yeah. Okay. The eyes of the proud will also be abased, but the Lord of hosts will be exalted in, in judgment. That last time, if you remember, it, was, it talked about God being exalted in that day. So that day must be the day that they're punished. Yeah. 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 The holy, uh, the holy God will show himself holy in righteousness. Then the lambs will graze as in their pastures, and strangers will eat in the waste places of the wealthy. So basically what it's talking about is when these people are taken away in exile, the animals are still going to be in the pastures, and the strangers are going to be taking them and eating them and right. stealing them from them. Right. So, so there's our second woe. Ready for the third one? Let's get to the third one. Okay. Verses eight or verse eighteen. Do you see it starts there? Woe to those who drag iniquity with the cords of falsehoods and sin as with the uh, cart ropes. I tried thinking a good word. What would picture these? So I, I put on there. Woe to the swindlers, because these are people that are ripping people off and yeah. they're getting them snagged into the sin. You know, when it right. talks about those who drag iniquity with the cords of falsehood. So they're using lies to get these people snagged into sin. And yeah. then once they're in, they're stuck in it. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So I, I thought swindlers might be a good yeah. word to call yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And sin as if with cart ropes, who say, let him make speed, let him hasten uh, his work that we may see it. When it says, uh, let him make speed, let him hasten his work, I assume that's God. And if that is, they're like mocking him. You know, hurry up. Let's see what you got uh, coming for us. You know, he's told them that punishment's coming. So it's like... They don't see it very well. Right. So that... That's, That's a very deep awareness of we're doing something wrong. Yeah, obviously. And yeah. Like, Scary. So far, nothing has happened yet. Yeah. Like, where is God? Good. I'm supposed to be getting bashed for this, basically. And yeah. So they're almost like mocking him then. Yeah. You know, bring it on, God. Let's see it. Yeah. Yeah. That's scary. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that basically says either you're not powerful enough to punish me or yeah. you're not paying attention or something, right? Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> And let the purpose of the Holy One of Israel draw near, come to pass that we may know it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, isn't it? These are mouthing off to God, aren't they? Yeah. So those are, that's number three. So they get them all snagged into sin. And now they're they're mocking God because he hasn't brought judgment on them yet. Because he said he was going to. Yeah. God has been very patient with the nation of Israel, hasn't he? And that's, this is in the 700s. They don't go into captivity for another 100 years. So that's plenty of time for them if they're going to repent to repent. But it's also time enough for them to almost mock God because he said we were going to go into captivity and I don't see it. Right. So it almost sounds like they're mocking him because he hasn't done this punishment to him yet. Yeah. Scary. All right. The, The fourth one is in verse 20. Woe to those who called evil good and good evil who substitute sweetness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. 
I, I called them the corrupt ones, and but it's but it's almost more than that. See, they're 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 trying to convince others that that good is bad right. and bad is good. Right. So they are about as corrupt as they can be. It would seem like. Yeah. I, this one was fairly clear, I think, just because, I, and I and I think these images are so vivid, almost. I think. Yeah. Well, and like kind of. Yeah. They they would transcend culture. Yeah. You know, evil yeah, and good, right. light and darkness, sweetness and bitterness. Those are things that I mean, we got a child yeah. would obviously know like I yeah. want something Except sweet, Israel not something it. bitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Right. <laughs> yep. Okay, verse 21. Now we're on the fifth one. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes uh, and clever in their own sight. So they think they're wise uh, by tricking God or tricking these people yeah. and and calling God to, to come and punish us because we don't see what right. you, this judgment that you claim is coming. And and so, once again, they're mocking him again, it seems like. Yeah. Well, and, and it could probably connect to the previous one too, right? Sure. Maybe someone who's wise in their own eyes would think something's call good. evil is good. Yeah, you know? exactly. Okay, verse 22, six one. Woe to those who are heroes in drinking wine and valiant men in mixing strong drink, who justify the wicked for a bribe and take away the rights of the one who is in the right. Wow, uh, that amazes me. They're, they're heroes in drinking wine. Well, that's, that, what, why, would you, why would you be a hero in that? Right. That's, that's like a worthless thing. Yeah. All right? And valiant men in, mi- in mixing strong drink. The next clue, who justify the wicked for a bribe and take away the rights of the ones who are in the right. So, so these guys have enough power that they can, can cheat and bribe and get away with, with things. Yeah, with crime, it, yeah. Yeah, even with people who, they're the ones that are in the right, but these guys, because they have yeah. power over them, can, can rip them off. Yeah. So those are, that's, that's what the people are like. There's six woes, and God's, God says they're going to be punished, but they're almost mocking him. You know, yeah. At some point, they're, they're saying, you know, go bring it on, God. We want to see you do this. You, know, yeah. you said you were going to. Let's see it. Right. That's, man, that, if you think about it, that's really disgusting because here's, here's God. He's been so gracious to them and not punished them for 100 years, and they're just like mocking him. Yeah. So that when I, I guess so that when God does punish him, he can actually say this was just, and he can. Right. It's there's no doubt these right. people deserved it. Right. And so I guess right. that's the whole purpose for this. Yeah. Yeah. That's tough. This is a very condemning indictment. Yeah. So when they go into exile, there's no doubt that they deserved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So many times he tried to reason with them and call them back to himself, and they refused. Well, and it means the exile is not something that happened outside of God's yeah. control. This yeah. was this was the exile was to punish and develop that remnant. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And it'll work. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm surprised, but it yeah. does. Thank goodness we already read chapter twelve. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now we're ready for the um for the uplifted hand oracle. But let's go to chapter ten. Okay. And this will be the kind the, of the other side of the, the palestrofe yeah. woe oracle. Yeah. Woe and, oracle. And if you look at chapter 10, verse 1, okay. you might think that's where the woe oracle starts. Because look what it says, woe to those mm-hmm. uh, who uh, enact evil statues. But look at verse 4 at the end. In spite of all this, his anger is tur- uh, not turned away and his hand is still stretched out. So that's still 
part of the uh, uplifted hand oracle. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, so I'll show you that later. But but that's because you might think that that woe oracle in ten one is that. But look at verse uh, five. Woe to the Assyrian, the rod of my anger. Mm. So there's where the real woe oracle starts. Yeah. And this woe oracle goes all the way from pun, um, woe on Assyria. Okay, all the way to bringing God's deliverer in chapter 11, you're wow. going to have God's deliverer come. But, but if you think about it, that's like the ultimate destruction of Assyria. You know, woe on them when the Messiah comes and destroys oh. all wickedness. Yeah. So that's, that's yeah. kind of interesting how it ends. It starts off with a woe in Assyria, but it ends with God's deliverer coming. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Israel, you remember Israel's the one, one of them that part of the Northern Kingdom gets taken off into a captivity. Yeah. Well, one of these days, the, the wicked are going to be taken off into captivity. So it's a, almost mm. like a picture of that too. Yeah. So, yeah. okay. This chapter is one of them I like the best. Okay. Okay. Cause, cause it, it, it's got some beautiful images in it. All right. So woe to Assyria, the rod of my anger the staff in whose hand is my indignation. Do you see what that's saying? Why would Assyria be called the rod of my anger? Well, it's what he's using to, to punish, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, so basically what it's saying here is that it, Assyria is my tool. It's my rod, or later on he calls it um, uh, the staff in whose hand is my indignation. So he's actually using Assyria to punish his people. Yeah. Okay. So, and then saying, and now we're saying woe to. Yeah. And yeah. there's, it's going to tell us why too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, look at verse six. I sent it against the godless nation. So that means it's calling Israel yeah. a godless nation. Right. Okay. So that gives us some clue. All right. And I commissioned it against the people of my fury. So he's, he's angry at Israel yeah. because of their sin. Yeah. Okay. To capture booty, to seize plunder, to trample them down like mud in the streets. Hmm. I would have thought that's pretty serious punishment. Trample yeah. them down like mud in the streets. Yeah. So God's God gave them pretty good breadth of what they could do to them. Yeah. Okay. But look at this, verse seven. Yet it does not so intend, nor does it plan so in its heart, but rather its uh, rather its purpose is to destroy and cut off many nations. So it didn't want to just punish Israel. It wanted to cut them off, and not just Israel, many other nations. Yeah. And God's going to call them on the carpet for that. Remember, God can't let Israel be totally cut off. Yeah. Right? He's got some promises to David yeah. and uh, other people in the land that say, you know, David will always have a, a, a king reigning on the throne, mm -hmm. and Israel will always be my people. Yeah. So he can't. He can't have them be totally cut off. And that's what Assyria wants to do. So God's going to call them on the carpet for right. that. Right. Yeah. Right. They're going to get it. So we learned about that's not what they intend. Verse 8, for it says, are not, all my, or are not my princesses all kings? Um, there probably is a play on word in there because in the Assyrian word for um, uh, prince, uh, the, the Assyrian word for king it sounds like the word for prince. 
Oh. So, so they're, they're like play on words here again, yeah, using yeah, yeah. the Assyrian word. Yeah. But, but they're saying, okay, so uh, almost like saying, wouldn't you be, rather be in a, a prince in my army than a, a, a nation, be a king of a nation I just trounced? Right. Yeah. So this, that makes pretty much sense. Is not Carno like Carchemish and Hamath like Arpad and Samaria like Damascus? He's basically just going down and showing, okay, Here's all these these cities. I've destroyed every one of them. Mm. Okay, so so he's basically listing off his his list of of cities he's destroyed. Yeah, his accomplishments yep. in a way. Okay, as my hand reached to the kingdoms of the idols, whose graven images were greater than those of Jerusalem and Samaria, shall I not do to Jerusalem and her images just as I've done to Samaria and her idols? See, in, in the Assyrian, there's a couple things I want to point out here. Mm. In the Assyrian's mind, he doesn't see any difference between Jerusalem and Samaria, or the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Yeah. Because in his mind, the same they have the same God. Right. But remember, the northern kingdom was a lot, it had, had Baal worship in a lot sooner yeah. than did the southern kingdom. They were punished for, for what they deserved. And, and, and in the Assyrian's mind, he doesn't know any different. Yeah. So he, so his mind, he's just saying one's like the other. Yeah. Okay. Now, what other is interesting is, notice it, verse 11, shall I not do to Jerusalem and her images? Yeah, that, that should have caught you off guard when it said that. Because remember, Jerusalem shouldn't have any images, right. right? Right. And in actual fact, they obviously must have that. Yeah. So they're no different than the... And, and um, when it said, whose graven images were greater than those of Jerusalem and Samaria. So he's right. linking them and yeah. saying, well, look, if you have... In the Assyrian's mind, it's kind of funny. He thinks that if you've got a great God, you're going to... You're gonna, give images and you're going to have temples and, and put those dedicated to him. If you don't have many of those, then you, you don't have a very great God. Right. So, so in his mind, that's how it works. And, and God's going to call him on the carpet for that one too. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> All right. So, so we learned several things I think that are really interesting here. One is that Jerusalem is now doing the way of Samaria and got idols in hermits too. Yeah. And the Assyrian, doesn't know the difference between Samaria, who has the Yahweh, right. and, as Jerusalem that has Yahweh. Yeah. So in their mind, they're the same. Yeah. Okay? All right. Now look at verse 12. So it will be when the Lord has completed all his work on Mount Zion and on Jerusalem, he will say, I will punish the fruit of the arrogant heart of the king of Assyria and the pomp of his haughtiness. A couple things are interesting here. He's got some work to do on Zion or Jerusalem, Right. What's he got to do? Well, he's got to develop a remnant out of it. Okay. Right? So he's so, got to he's got to punish them for their wickedness yeah. so that that remnant will come out, right? Yeah. So that's his work that he's got to do. So he's letting the Assyrians punish them to a certain extent so it'll bring that remnant about. But then he says, but when I'm done, Assyria better watch out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. For he has said, by my, by the power of my hand and by my wisdom, I have done this. For I have understanding, and I've removed the boundaries of the peoples and plundered their t- treasures. So he's basically, again, thinking he was the one that did this, yeah. and that uh, he's we just are, the rod. Yeah, we were told already that God's just using him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And like a mighty man, I will bring down. I think this is funny. That word, a mighty man, there is the word a deer, I believe. And and the other word is a beer. Uh, no, I'm sorry. This one is the word a beer, I think. And the other one is a deer. 
So it's almost like a play on words again. Uh, mighty man, God is going to be called the Adir, the the real mighty one. This is a uh, here is he's thinking he's the mighty one, right. Abir. Okay, so it's again a play on words. Uh, so like a mighty man, I brought down their inhabitants, and my hand reached to the riches of the peoples like a nest. And as one gathers abandoned eggs and gathered all the earth, there was not one that flapped his wing or opened its beak or chirped. Actually, that's not really true. They did a lot of chirping, but it, <laughs> but it didn't do any good because remember, Assyria was the first one that had a standing army. Yeah. yeah. So so here's here's militia going against a standing army. Yeah. Which, right. what country could take on that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so he pictures it like a bird gathering up, all, you know, or like a person gathering up all these eggs from the birds, yeah. and they they didn't have any competition. Yeah. And for sure, he didn't have much. Yeah. Okay, now here's God's response. Is the axe to mm. boast over the one who chops with it? Right. So, so he's just saying, it's a tool. A tool coming after the guy who's holding it? That's like a joke. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. All right? So he's, he's calling this Assyrian a joke. Is the saw to exalt itself over the one who wields it? That would be like a club wielding <laughs> the one who lifts it. So he's saying that a club picking up the guy that's yeah. holding it, okay? Yeah. Or a rod lifting him who is not wood. Therefore, the Lord God of hosts will send a wasting disease among his stout warriors. So God's got some punishment coming because the tool thought they were the big thing. They yeah. thought they were God. Yeah. Okay? We don't know exactly. Do you remember in 701, the biblical text tells us that 185, an angel of the Lord wiped out 185,000 of the Assyrian soldiers. Yeah. Well, we're going to learn more about that time period. But this is another um, passage talking about what he's going to do. So he's sending a wasting disease among his stout warriors. We don't know exactly what happened there, but there's enough little information from other places that suggest it might be something like a plague or like bubonic plague that wipes yeah. out the people. Yeah. And so whatever it's got it, it okay, so we know that they're going to die really quick. That's one of the things because it talks okay. about them 185,000 dying in one night. Right. So we know it's quick, yeah. okay? Another thing is we're learning that it's like a wasting disease. All right. And under his glory, a fire will be kindled like a burning flame. So that makes it sound like a fever or something like that, mm. right? Fire okay. being in there. Yeah. Um, and the light of Israel will become a flame and the or fire and the holy one a flame and will burn and devour his thorns and briars in a single day. Again, emphasizing the speed yeah. of it. Okay. Yeah. So, so that I'm assuming that there could be something like a plague that God's going to use to, to wipe them out. And that, yeah. would, that would fit this kind of imagery really well, yeah, though we don't know exactly. But from Herodotus, Herodotus does tell us that there was a plague of field mice. He's, he claims they came and nibbled the, the bowstrings off so that they couldn't right. fight back. Right. But uh, as I understand it, the bubonic plague is, is uh, carried by field mice. Mm. You know, the, the disease is carried on their back. Yeah, or so it could have spread. Or yeah. 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 So at least I think it's possible. He will destroy the glory of his forest and, a, and of his fruitful garden, both soul and body. And it will be as when a, a sick man wastes away. That's another thing yeah, about that, maybe that, a flame or like a fever or something. Yeah, yeah. You know? And the rest of the trees of the forest will be so small in number that a, that a child can write them down. So it's, it's whatever <laughs> yeah. it's going to be, it's, there's not yeah, going to be many left. left yeah. yeah. So it starts off. With God, you know, these Assyrians boasting about how strong they are, and then God kind of like mocking them, saying, 
well, you're just my tool. You know, you're a yeah. staff in my hand. Yeah. So God says he's going to wipe them out. They're going to be like a wasting disease, and there's going to be so few of them that a child can count them down. I actually think that fits the time period of 701 really well. We don't know much of what happened, but from the biblical text, we know that a, this Sennacherib comes with a pretty substantial army, ends up going home with well, um, his annals talk about him getting a lot of money and captives, but most of that is from what we can tell is from other places outside of Jerusalem. Mm. So he probably got all the captives from out them, and 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 it does say that Hezekiah paid him off. So he pays him all this money so much so that he has to take the gold off the the doors of the temple. Oh. So so that's wow. probably quite a bit. Yeah. yeah. So so he gives him that, but then Sennacherib apparently wants even more yeah. and and that's when god stops him yeah. like he said earlier you know your job your your in, intent was to totally wipe him out well at some point god right. calls him and says that's enough yeah so i thought that was brilliant it's it's a beautiful way to to take care of a, a, a an all powerful ruler isn't it yeah and if you think about it the assyrians were at the peak of their strength mm. so that means that they are a powerful nation, and here's here's little Jerusalem for having to fight back against them. Yeah, it's kind of a great story. Yeah, <laughs> all right, let's keep going. Verse twenty. Mm-hmm. In that day, well, what day are we talking about? In that day that that God's going to punish yeah Assyria. The, Assyria. Yeah, okay. The the remnant of Israel and those of the house of Jacob who have escaped will never rely on the one who struck them, but will tr- uh, truly rely on the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. So he's talking about a remnant coming out and learning from from that time period that God delivered them. We're going to learn later that not all of them felt that way because, Mm. yeah, because there's a passage that talks about this same time period and that they didn't get it. Okay, but but there must be some that do. Yeah, a remnant will return, a remnant of Jacob to the mighty uh, mighty God. For though your people, O Israel, are like the sand of the sea, only a remnant within them will return. That's kind of sad, isn't it? Yeah. So Israel is going to have a significant amount of people, but only a small percentage yeah. of them are going to turn back to God, even after seven hundred one when God delivers them. Right. That's scary. Yeah. Okay, a destruction is determined, overflowing with righteous, righteousness. For a complete destruction, one that is decreed, the Lord of hosts will execute in the midst of the whole land. So Jerusalem, and, well, Judah is going to be significantly punished. And the northern kingdom is already going to be punished because yeah. they are taken off into captivity. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of hosts, O my people who dwell in Zion, do not fear the Assyrian who strikes you with a rod and lifts up the staff against you the way that Egypt did. For in a very little while, my indignation against you will be spent and my anger will be directed against their destruction. So that gives you some clue of what's happening. Remember earlier he talked about, you know, um, you're just my tool and and I've given you a little leeway, but you've gone too far. Well, here he says... Just wait. When when my job is done with a Syria with a, a, a on Zion, yeah. I'm going after going them. Going after this. Yeah. yeah. 
All right. The Lord of hosts will arouse a scourge against him like the slaughter of Midian and the rock of Orb. Do you remember that was with Gideon? And remember the Midianites had come across and remember with 300 men, he routes them yeah. and, and God's, God's plan and all. That's what I think it's saying is that God's going to be the, the, the motivating factor. here. It's yeah. not going to be Israel. Yeah. 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 All right. Um, and his staff will be over the sea and he will lift it up the way he did in Egypt. Remember, I think he's showing the picture of uh, Moses uh, yeah. lifting up his staff and, and separating yep. the waters and they come yeah. back. So two brilliant ways of when God in the past showed his strength, now he's, he's going to deliver them. So it will be in that day uh, that his burden will be removed from your shoulders and his yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be broken because of fatness. Now, that's hmm. an interesting phrase because we're wondering, how is what is that? But it seems like it understands that, that God is going to so restore the people that their, their nation is going to be blessed so much right. that they're going to break the yoke off their back. That seems to be what it is. The yoke will break because of yeah. flourishing. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And in my mind, that can't be 701 because it's got to go beyond that. Because in 701, they were delivered, but they sure didn't totally wipe out all the other nations or anything like right. that. So I think it's called the prophetic perspective. And a lot of times it will look at the, the, the into the future and you'll see the mountaintops. Yeah. And, and, and you'll see those mountaintops, but they go off clear into the future and it's pictured against a certain time. Yeah. Okay. So I think that's what's going on here. Okay. Now, the next couple of verses are really interesting. And he will come against Aath, passing through Mikram. At Mikmash, he deposits his baggage. He will go through the pass, saying, Geba will be our lodging place. Rama is terrified, and Gibeah of Saul fled away. So they're coming from Samaria and coming down, okay? That's not the way the Assyrians came in 701. They actually mm. came around down the coast and then came in. Okay. So... so what is this? Yeah. Um, verse 30, uh, 32. So today he will halt at Nob and shake his fist as the, at, the moder, at the mountain of the daughter of Zion, the hill of Jerusalem. When we know that Nob or Nob, whatever, it's probably Nob, is, is probably where Mount Scopus is. So it's on top of the hill and it can look down on Jerusalem. Mount Scopus has a, a uh, you, uh, the University of Jerusalem is there, uh, oh. or Israel's university okay. is, is there on Mount Scopus, and they can look down on the old city of Jerusalem. So he's probably looking there, and when he says he shakes his fist, that, that's a phrase we would understand to be like that. But yeah. I, I think instead, it's probably a, a wiping, like a wiping away. Mm. So the hand going like that is probably more what they would have done. Yeah. So it means like away with Jerusalem. Yeah. So he thinks he's going to totally wipe out the nation. Now, my guess, there's a lot of different suggestions as to what this is, because this is not, you know, it's a figurative thing or something like that. I actually think these are reinforcements coming down from the staging place they had at Rama and brought it down. Because if you think about it, they've been through several battles already, Lachish and uh, Lashem and, and, and all of these, Libna. And, and my guess is that that depleted at least some of their soldiers. Yeah. So my guess when they get to Jerusalem, they want to now re get reinforcements, get food and stuff yeah. like that. It's interesting. These cities, they go around the, the fortress cities. Mm. So, they, so, so they don't Stop it. Like, yeah. It seems like they're trying to get down to Jerusalem to reinforce their yeah. their army. Yeah. So that's what I think it is. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. 
Now look at verse 33. Behold, the Lord, the God of hosts, will lop off the boughs with a terrible crash. Those who are tall in stature will be cut down. Those who are lofty will be abased. He will cut down the thickets of the forest with an iron axe, and Lebanon will fall by the mighty one. Remember, Assyrian thought he was the mighty one. Mm-hmm. Here's the real mighty one. This is that, that one yeah. that I told you that God is called the mighty one. Notice it uses the word um, Lebanon for them. Because at that point, Assyria pretty much controlled Lebanon. That mm-hmm. was one of the reasons they came across was to get the food and resource or the money and, or the wood and resources yeah. from the, the, the cedars of Lebanon. Yeah. So, so the mighty one is going to fall. Okay, so Assyria is going to be cut off. Yeah, what I think is beautiful. Look at the next phrase, and the sh- and the, and a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse. So you've got you've got a picture of this tree falling. Yeah, but here Israel, one little shoot, one little shoot coming yeah. up. Okay, so so what they thought they had destroyed. Israel yeah. is going to come back and yeah. and be that shoot. And then now it's and, and notice it's from the stem of Jesse. My guess is it's telling us it precedes even David. Right. And, and I think that's important for the, the message. Yeah. And then it's going to talk about this deliverer. So this deliverer, he's going to be a branch, um, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what his eyes see or make decisions by what his ears hear, but in righteousness he will judge the poor and decide with fairness the afflicted of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Also righteousness will be a belt around his loins and faithfulness a belt around his waist. I wanted to get there because all those five verses talk about the character of this deliver. Uh, Now, no doubt, I believe this is the Messiah. So he's going to do all these things and he's going to be the one that has the spirit of counsel, the spirit of knowledge and all that, but he's going to do it in righteousness and in justice. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that seems like it's talking about the character of this, of this deliver. The next part is going to be talking about his kingdom. Look what it says. And the and the wolf will dwell with the lamb, the mm. leopard will lie down with the young goat, the calf with the young lion and fatling together, and a little boy will lead them. The cow and the bear will graze and the young will lie down together. A lion will eat straw like the ox. So there's, oh, and even better, the nursing child will play by the hole of a cobra and a weed child mm. by the hand of a viper's den. So, so here, everything that was dangerous is now peaceful. Yeah. And, 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 you know, these animals laying together and a little boy leading these animals, these wild animals. So this gives away oh even better. Look what this last says. Verse nine is like a summary, but it's a beautiful summary. They will not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as mm. the water covers the sea. I don't know if you've ever tried to stop water from running all over, (laughs) but but all it takes is a little and it goes everywhere. Well, it's saying that that's what the the holiness of God, the righteousness is going to be infiltrating the whole of the world. Unstoppable. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Now, I I, I believe it's gone past 701, right? Because as far as I know, God didn't set up his kingdom at that point. It's not a kingdom of peace. A lion is not laying down with a lamb. Yeah. Okay. So this has to be them looking into the future. Yeah. Now, if that's true, then the next couple of verses are going to explain that even more. Yeah. 
In that day, remember? The phrases, yeah. yeah. Yep. In that day, the nations will resort to the root of Jesse, mm-hmm. that same thing that was talking about yeah, earlier. The shoot, yeah. yeah. Who will stand as a signal for the people, and his resting place will be glorious. So at that point, it sounds like nations are coming to him, right? Yeah. So, And it's, he's going to stand for a signal for the peoples for them to come to him. Then verse 11, and it will happen on that day that the Lord will again recover a second time with his hand, the remnant of the people who remain. Now, we got to figure out the second time. Well, when was the first time? You could think the first time was from Egypt. But but if you think about it, it wasn't from multiple nations. Yeah. So I wouldn't think that. Um, my best guess is them coming back from Babylon. Because yeah. if you remember, Babylon sold the Israelites off to other countries too. Oh, right, right. So so when it says it, it, it will come back from many, time, from many nations, um, he will recover a second time. A remnant who remained from Assyria, Egypt, Pathros. So it's not just... Egypt. So I think this is talking about the Babylonian captivity, but now that's the first one. The second one will be from everywhere, I think. So this is the remnant being drawn from all places. Mm. And I think that's why you've got all these names here. Assyria, uh, Egypt, Pathros, Cush, Elam, Shinar, Hamath, and the islands of the sea. So I think it's saying from the outermost parts of the earth, they're going to be coming. Yeah. Okay. And he will lift up a standard to the nations and assemble the banished ones of Israel and, and will gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Well, then, that's pretty... Yeah. That's, that's pretty far. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then the jealousy of Ephraim will depart and those who harass Judah will be cut off. Ephraim will not be jealous of Judah and Judah will not harass Ephraim. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but earlier in uh, uh, chapter nine, it talks about when they were, when God was punishing them, that he was going to have them, uh, they're going to, Ephraim is going to go against Manasseh, Manasseh against Ephraim. So they're going to have like civil war amongst them here. Now it's going to be a time of peace. Yeah. Yeah, and then it says, and they will swoop down on the slopes of the Philistines on the west. Together they will plunder the sons of the east. They will possess Moab and e- or Edom and Moab, and the mm-hmm. sons of Ammon will be subject to them. In a minute, we will, we'll talk about this. Let's get to the end here, though. Yeah. And the Lord will utterly destroy the tongue of Egypt, uh, uh, the tongue of the Sea of Egypt, and He will wave His hand over the river with the scorching wind, and will strike it into seven streams. And walk over dry shod. Um, when it says the tongue of the Sea of Egypt, I think that's talking about the Red Sea. So it'll be parted. Mm. You know, when it talks about the tongue, if you if you think of it, it sticks up into yeah. that area. So it's I think it's a figurative term, but it means he's going to make it so that they can come back. So from Egypt yeah. all the way back to Israel. All right. And there will be a highway from Assyria for the remnant of his people who will be left. There were, um, just as there was for Israel in the day that they came out of the land of Egypt. Hmm. So this is there's a, a way. Yeah, this is a picture talking yeah. about na- uh, their Israel coming back, or this remnant coming back from all all nations. I think. Yeah. So you've got Assyria, you've got them from Egypt. Both of those would be enemies of Israel at this yeah. point, and they're bringing them back from there. Yeah. So. I think that's... That's very exciting. When I said enemies of Egypt, I meant en- enemies of Israel in the past, uh, the Assyria mm. and Egypt. Because at this point, Egypt is actually on Assyria's side, or is on uh, Israel's side against Egypt. <laughs> against Assyria. Yeah. Egypt yeah. and Israel. Yeah, yeah. against him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
so all of this is that, well, let's go over it. Uh, yeah. Woe to the let's Assyrian. We've got that 5 through th- uh, 19. The remnant is of Israel will return to God, 20 through 27. Assyria will fall. And that was where that tree, uh, you know, being yeah. chopped off. Okay. And then Israel will rise again, yeah. 11 through Starting 1 through the, 6. The, the shoot, shoot of yeah. Jesse. Mm-hmm. So that's a big woe oracle, but yeah. it, it goes over some really important stuff. Yeah. And okay. again, in the, the palestrope, this is functioning as the counterpoint to our, yeah. what, six woe oracles? Yes. Right? Yeah. yeah. So there was six there, only one here. Mm-hmm. We yeah. have a song and a song, yep. beginning and end, and then the next two things that are getting closer to the center. Yeah. Six woe oracles, basically against Israel, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And then, and then one big woe oracle. Against Assyria. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Well, that's probably about as far as we can get so this week. In, and next week, we'll be looking at the next set of oracles. Yep. There are going to be the two. The uplifted hands is what you call yes. that? Uh, one in the beginning and then four, yeah, at, four the at the end. end. Yeah. Okay. But this is, this is helping us to see the structure, I hope. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, this is probably not the most natural way for modern readers to approach yeah. it. I think this yeah. is very helpful. But it, it does show how these sections are put together, I think, and then yeah. they make some sense. Yeah. Because otherwise, most scholars were saying, oh, this this uh, uh, uplifted hand oracle got separated from these other four. And I'm going, oh. okay, but why? And right. I, and it, it, so even if their answer was that somehow they got separated, well, yeah. okay, that's possible. But why would they do that? And, yeah. the, and to have them balanced on each side of it, and to, to let you know that that means the Isianic memoir in the middle is really the most important yeah. part, too. Yeah. So that helps us. For next episode, then. Okay. This past homework, we read 5 through 12. 12, yeah. What if we do that again, but instead of going 5 through 12 kind of in order, we follow the structure of the palestrophe? That might be good. Would that be helpful? Yeah. We read 5 and 12. Uh, yeah, the Song of the Vineyard and the Song at Thanksgiving, yep. the two sets of woe oracles, yeah. and then the uh, or the first set, and then the single woe oracle. Yeah. Then go further into the uplifted and, hand oracles, yeah. and then read the memoir. I think that'd be great. Yeah, it is a good chunk of. Yes, it's a good chunk to read. So, yeah, and we're um, getting quite a ways through it now. Let me just kind. Of, do you remember I told you that chapter one? goes basically explains is that probably the introduction of the whole book and pretty much explains what God's going to do. Yeah. Then two through four, go over it again. Yeah. Now five through 12 is going to go over it even in more detail. So yeah. you just keep getting more and more and more detail of this. Yeah. So everyone who's here listening, thank you. And uh, thank you again, Dr. Wagner. Be sure to join us next week as we continue to study Isaiah. Isaiah.